Greetings, ladies and mantle gents, and welcome to this latest edition of Tales from Outer Space. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 63 Marshall was having a bit of a rough time navigating the night market. It wasn't that he didn't know his way to it, as he'd been there a lot of times within his life. However, this simple fact did not account for his ride-along growl. Where in all of Mundasaur are we going, Marshall? Grell's question about their situation caused the fox to sigh as he turned his head towards Grell, still keeping them on the path towards the old farmhouse. The orc seemed unfocused on his surroundings, as it was pretty early in the morning, his eyes almost barely open to perceive anything around him. The lights of dawn hadn't yet crested when he was awoken, and before he had gotten a proper breakfast as well. The night market, Marshall chuffed, Growl's focus shifted from the inattentive sitting slumber towards a more awake version of himself. You know where the night market is, and you haven't told me. Growl's incredulity seemed to make Marshall's back shiver. If this was the moment, he would either keep a friend or he would lose it, depending on his next words. Uh, to be fair, with your position, you just have to bust it down. Basically, leave me with no clues to find. At that, Grill almost accusatory attitude lessened considerably. His brows softened, and his tusks seemed to retreat back into his mouth. However, his eyes still had that narrowed look to them as he leaned back in the chair and stared out over the road. Clues for what, Marshal? I'm getting real tired of being kept out of the loop. Mal Grell's question was appropriate. Marshal was getting real tired of talking. The fox sighed to himself before looking at the auburn's turning sky trying to think of an explanation to give Growl. He pondered whether he should explain why he was so concerned with this. Beckham already knew and wanted to help him work through it, even if her intentions didn't align with his. She still helped him when he asked. What more could he have asked for from her? However, the question remained whether he actually trusted Grell enough to talk about it. His thoughts ran with a flurry as he clutched the reins close to his body. Eventually, he came to a decision. Maze killer. The two words answer seemed to put a law officer off his guard. In fact, a look of confusion came across his face as he leaned back to fully lie down upon his seat. It took him a bit of time to actually come up with a retort, but it was long enough that Marshall could actually see the peak of the hilltop. From there, they would be able to actually see their destination he could only pray that the rental beast didn't have trouble with the slopes. You do realize that a killer turned into a blob of ash, right? The orc's words shook Marshall's attention away from the road towards the person sitting next to him. He just had to address this before anything else was going to happen. Yes, but I still have to find out where he got this device. We have to make sure that no one is stuck like that from now on. It was a noble goal. He had set for himself to do ever since that fateful day. It also had two goals on top of that sort of vengeance that he could pull off. The first being that it would help him understand what exactly had become of his hand. If it was something which fed off his soul, it would be good to know so that he could rip it out. Better to just be missing a hand than to become something akin to a monster. Or at least that was his thought process of the matter. The second was that... In Beckon's words, maybe get some closure from the whole ordeal. Put that part of his past behind him. 
Sure, it wasn't exactly like you'd be able to easily at first, once this was all over. But eventually, the scenes from that night would be either ripped from his head or fade with time. Either way, he had to do this. Otherwise, his wife's final fate would remain with him forever. Are you... I won't try and bring it up anymore. The question that Grawl was going to bring up died on his lips as he stared at the sullen fox. His face had long since lost any measure of wellness. His cheeks were long, fur unkept, and eyes sullen, set deep into his face. Almost seemed to answer the question for him. However, Grail's dismissiveness only seemed to spur the heartbroken fox. What? His declaration almost seemed accusatory in its tone. If it wasn't for Marshall's attention being focused on the road, Grail would have assumed that he was genuinely made at him. Just, um... When we get this guy, uh, could you let me handle it? Grell's gentleness was almost uncanny for the situation. Normally, he was known as the main roughness of the group, ready to barge headlong into trouble and problems galore. In short, he never was really made to handle anything requiring tact, even if he had the same general social skills that most of the other law enforcers that were part of the VOG held. Why do you think I brought you along instead of Beckon? Marshall's words put Grell at ease for a second, before he realized one important fact. Marshall hated putting women in dangerous situations, and judging from recent events, that one particular aspect might have pushed to its limits. Well, um, in your words, she's a dame. At that, Marshall seemed to scoff at the attention before putting his thoughts towards the crest of the hill, which they had reached upon. The light of the night bestowed a gentle glow onto the decline of the road ahead towards their destination. If one were to follow the road, it would lead further south out past the mountain pass. But for now, his attention was resolved towards the farmland around them. The land itself was not naturally inclined towards cultivating. Most might believe that farming by a mountain would lead towards a lot of gains for the crops that would be yielded there but the farmland had long been tapped for centuries. From Marshall's own recollection of events, some combination between an ignorant farmer who had yet to know about crop rotations and a curse befalling the country that had yet to be broken had led towards the land being barren for most crops, except those that could be assisted via magical means. One could tell that the farmer who had either inherited the land or outright bought it had done his research, for placed every so often alongside the warning stones were pillars of green marble inlaid with proper runes to promote growth. However, the gentle glowing they set off was rather harmful if one were too close without the proper protections, so there was often a five-meter circle surrounding it. No one wanted the flesh to be bed for plants. I still don't understand why you talk like that. Growl's innocuous statement caused Marshall's attention towards the countryside to be turned away. Well, the question was basically innocuous for anyone but Marshall. That's how uh, detectives talk. You wouldn't want me to be, not be my true self, right? It wasn't necessarily a common misconception that Marshall held. He had originally thought that detectives were like normal people. At least until the body performance convinced him otherwise. Since then... He's been trying to live up to that high standard, however short he'd managed to reach it. No one saw fit to correct it, however. As any time it was brought up, the accent was doubled down upon. 
Sure, sure, uh, whatever. Mole Growl's remark would have put her down on the conversation. Marshall left it to feeling somewhat vindicated. It wasn't often when someone would be able to leave Growl unable to say anything in an argument, even if it was a rather tiny one. However, any further conversation was put on hold as Marshall veered the reins away from the main road and towards a rather run-down farmhouse. Its planks were not the most best-kept things, and as they passed by the open gate, Annie could see that it was practically falling off its hinges. The road might have been cobbled once upon a time, but nowadays it was more dirt than rock, and any effort that went into maintaining it. The door of the place seemed almost stark in contrast, as it was perhaps the newest-looking thing on the farm. So, um, this is where it is, Growl pondered, as Marshall guided the carriage to a spot before halting the discounted Carnegie in its tracks. He tied the leads together around the post before hopping off to the side and patting the side of the unburdened animal. Growl's question still on the forefront of his mind. Yeah, the owner of the farm lets him conduct business down there as long as he gets one silver per entrant. And Marshall's sudden statement of clarity about the illegality of the establishment they'd gone to, Growl managed to only slightly stumble off the cart before making his way next to Marshall, before staring around him and back towards the farmhouse. Well, uh, can't say I blame him. Farmers are kind of low in demand out here anyways. Growl's comment was with some measure of truth about the owner of the farm. So Marshall nodded at the talkative orc before he started walking up the porch steps towards the front of the house. He knocked twice, then thrice, before jiggling the doorknob. That was this week's code for those who entered the night market. However, even when performed, nothing of note happened. The grassy ebb who ran the farm did not come to the door, and Marshall could not hear anything happening inside. He looked towards the windows on the left and right but he could not see any of the usual lights past the boarded-up portions. Strange. What? Growl's question was met with a brief silence as Marshall turned towards him before gesturing towards the door, and, by extinction, nearly the entire house in exasperation. Usually he would answer the door. Maybe he's not home. Marshall considered the rather quick-witted response from the orc before shaking his head before walking off the porch. Yeah... I just kind of have a bad feeling about this. Come on, follow me. He waved a paw at Growl before heading off to the bar that was behind the farmhouse. That was where the entrance was, and many would not have been even able to see the barn from the road. As he walked across the trodden dirt path towards the barn's slightly ajar doors, he could hear Growl mucking about in the house behind him, most likely trying to find something, anything, for the journey that they were embarking upon. Marshall hadn't really told him about the dungeon yet, but he figured that he'd cross that bridge when it came to it. Growl always had reservations about them since the one time he was forced to go into a training dungeon. However, something was quite noticeable within the barn. Tracks littered the floor from both bide and beast of some sort of great exodus. This, in and of itself, was stranger than the silent door. The barn was simply one of the more far-off entrances into the night market, for it to gather this much traffic must have meant something was wrong with the other entrances. That wasn't the thing that was focused on now. He hurried off to check the hay pile off to the side, 
and after mussing about with the strewn hay upon the wooden floor, he found the trapdoor next to the pile was still there, with all of its ruins intact. He wouldn't have known what to do if he had broken them in the way out. He had no idea where the actual physical entrances towards the night market actually were. All he had knowledge of was the nearby portal trapdoors that had been built. In his haste to figure out whether the enchantments upon the trapdoor were still operating, he had not noticed the orc that had walked in and watched him. Huh, Grail's voice pulled Marshall from his short-lived stint in relief. What? Grail's eyes met Marshall's as he kneeled over the trapdoor, confusion evident on his face from the way Marshall had touched the door. Nothing, uh, just, um, why couldn't I see that? Marshall became quite confused at it before he remembered one of the core reasons that he'd been let into the inner circle for the city. Ah! Forgot you had uh, eyes of truth. It's just runic invisibility, Grell shook his head as he poked it a bit before gesturing towards the now glowing runes from the input of his touch upon the handle. Yeah, I figured that bit out, but the runes, uh, they don't manage to upright. Ah! I forgot you actually understood the language. I guess I could probably tell you a little trade secret then. Runes don't really need the exact configuration to perform the same action. And then Marshall was quite convinced that Grawl would at least be able to pull together the rest of the information. But the fact that he hadn't yet had put a bit of a damper in his mood as he turned his head back down towards the runes in question. For example, he might have, you cannot see, but it is the same as a normal variant, no one can see. There's a little trick that I learned from some of those unhanded folks down below. The further elaboration seemed to put off any further questions from Growl, which put Marshall back into a somewhat happy mood. However, with the conversation hitting a stopping point, Marshall proceeded to open the door towards the eerie darkness below. Marshall hopped down it, ignoring the ladder to the side, as his coat did the work of slowing his fall. Meanwhile, Grell was forced to head down the ladder to leading towards the paved floor. Marshall didn't really wait for his cohort to go towards what he thought he needed to go, so he just followed the corridor before it opened up into the night market proper, its familiar starry night sky ingrained into the roof of the cabin. He breathed in the cool air and let out a long breath. It had been weeks since the last time he came here, and the changes seemed to compound immensely. Where before the tents and the marquees lined the paved roads, now there was nothing except the stray piece of food or leftover ropes. Something had happened here, and he wasn't too sure it wasn't another bombing like before. So, um, is there a reason it's so quiet? Grell's voice pulled Marshall out of the introspection of the situation. To just now notice that Grell had finally managed to get off the ladder and catch up to him. I have a hunch, but I really hope it's not true. With that, Marshall started to walk towards the one area he figured would most likely have the dungeon entrance, that being the cratered cave-in. However, as he walked, he started to notice more and more of everything wasn't exactly the same as before that he had when he went through the area. This time, there were apparitions. It's like a ghost town down here. Grell's worlds pulled Marshall's gaze away from the floating horror that had been following them. Yeah, ghosts. Ghosts weren't exactly something new for Marshall to think about. Ever since the incident, he'd had sightings of them. He didn't really want to think about it, though. Besides, ghosts were not his particular domain to care about. With enough time and effort, he maybe could become a benefactor from their presence. But 
As of now, they were mostly relegated towards a creepy existence he did not and could not deal with. Is it getting to you? Growl's words almost made Marshall stop in his tracks at the suddenness of the conversation topic. What? Well, uh, you just got access to magic, and I don't know what it does to your breed. That word resonated through Marshall's skull. One of them just not one to think about, given the fact that they was utterly surrounded. Could you, um, not talk about me like that? Marshall sighed as he began walking, taking them through a couple caverns, and while Grull had been focusing on the random strips of cloth that could fetch some dosh, the question aimed at him almost seemed to confuse him. Like what? It wasn't really Grull's fault, since he did not know about Marshall's new particularly over-the-word breed. Before now, he'd often just talk with him about anything over a drink or two. That was just the kind of friends he was. Now, with how utterly cutting those words had become, he couldn't help but want to stop them before exiting anyone's mouth. However, he did not think that he should tell him that there was an actual ghost down here. It's not like anyone actually thought the free spirits were real. Nothing. It's fine. His dismissive attitude made Growl a little worried, but he figured that if Marshall said that it was alright, he probably should be. Most likely, he was just worried about what's to come. How did you even find this place anyway? Back when I was part of the VOJ, my uh, master, who was an investigator, was pretty good at what he did, but he outsourced a lot of his work. When he retired and I inherited his spot with the force, I got those same connections. It didn't really take me long to beat the info out of them. Grell's eyes widened at the non-secretorial nature of the statement. Marshall wasn't really one prone towards physical violence. It was one of the reasons on why he had chosen a career path with basically almost no combat skills or abilities to work with. If he was forced to beat up people, there were only three real possibilities for him to be able to do so. Either he was lying about his stat allocations towards dexterity and charisma, he had killed to manually rise his strength's capabilities, or he had managed to use his new proficiency in magic towards terrible things. He did not necessarily want to think about the once peaceful member of their band, so he decided to change topics. You know, I still don't understand why you left. From my point of view, you were probably one of the better investigators that we had. Hell, from what Beckon had told me, you were too practically joined at the hip for some of the cases. Grell was right, in a sense. Back within the academy, Beckon and Marshall were closer friends than Grell was at the time. You couldn't see one without the other close by. From what Grell could remember, it was after he had gotten joined with May that the victorious order of governance had officially fired him. He had not shown up for work for weeks, and he had not given any reason as to why, so the council had basically no choice but to do it. I'm not getting into that now. Kind of a time crunch. Grell nodded at that glad to have gotten the demure fox away from his new vindictive side that he was showing. However, with a new topic of conversation, Marshall had dived into memories he had long since put in deep and forgetfulness. Marshall, at the time, had found something out, something that the VOG was blatantly ignoring and was being slavery practices within the slums. It had long since been outlawed within the country. But people who specialized in contracts didn't just want to deal with the finances all day. They wanted their own personal prices. And he had been the one to deny them. 
He had spent a couple weeks rooting out their presence within the city using the skills that he'd picked up, and one final parting gift from his master, a fighting style. However, such times where he committed vigilance justice had long since been wiped from his mind. It had been almost twenty years since he'd done so, after all. Fair enough, uh, what are we looking for anyway? The words brought Marshall's gaze briefly away from the ground to look at the orc's face, taking him away from the past and his memories of it. Just, um, there should be a giant crater past all of this. That's where my leads took me before the trail got cold. Just, uh, check around there for anything suspicious. Marshall could still remember the people that had been harmed with the explosion. Since then, he'd been trying to figure out if anyone knew what was going on. But with all the things in the night market... They'd either been paid off to not say anything, or actually didn't know what was going on. With the turn around a corner, they began to edge through the destruction. Here and there lay ruined tents and wares. Anything that was still whole was, of course, gathered and collected. For Grum, it was about contraband, but for Marshall, it was looking for a new edge, something that could help him gain the lead in a fight. However... As they got closer to the crater's epicenter, less things were intact, and more bodies were strewn about the floor. Growl paid his respects while Marshall went past them. He'd already done enough respecting the dead the last time he came here anyway. After several hours of searching through the rubble and detritus, Marshall's beginning depression came to a halt from the explanation from Growl. Hey, I think I see something. Marshall brought up his head from the rubble to find Growl standing over something off to the side of the center of the crater. As he got up and approached, he at first thought that it was a decorative art piece. Metal vines weren't exactly something which can be made naturally. At least, that was what he thought until Growl poked it, and it reacted to his touch. But Marshall's sudden presence caused Growl to look up at him before gesturing towards the vines growing from somewhere indiscernible. There's ruins covering over the other ruins. That statement didn't exactly explain anything for any of the questions that popped into Marshall's mind. However, it didn't exactly stop him from trying to gain further information from the now leading orc. Marshall's silence spoke volumes. Don't look at me like that. How else am I supposed to explain that? Marshall rolled his eyes at Growl's comment as he joined him, leading towards the area to get a better look at what Growl was looking at. He couldn't exactly see anything of its magical nature, but he did notice that the vines almost looked like they appeared out of nowhere, connected to the ground rather directly. He managed to push aside the vines and noticed that they all formed around a particular square-sized piece of the floor. He touched it, a little saddened to note that it was quite solid. So, with nothing else that he could do, he asked the telltale question to the resident runic expert. So, um... What are they supposed to do? Well, the topmost one seems to hide ruins below it, so I can't really tell their effects. Maybe we should cut off a piece and examine. It was a good suggestion from the orc. Examine, while not as immediately apparent as most evolutions of the standard skill of observe, always let the target understand what they were looking at. It just took an inordinate amount of time to do so. That was the price of the skill. However... There was one thing that Marshall took note of that Grawl had not been able to see. An indentation. No, I think I know what this is. With that declaration, Marshall pressed in on the now apparent button. 
With the press, the vines began to light up and the square almost seemed to shimmer. However, Growl was not paying attention to this whatsoever as he began turning his head towards Marshall. What do you mean, Marshall? The reason for his surprise was that Marshall seemed to die in front of his eyes. The square had managed to do something to Marshall such that it looked like an instant disintegration of his entire form. Growl started screaming unintelligibly as he dug a square. He needed to figure out what had happened. He needed to examine the makeup. He didn't want to just say that he died without knowing why, but no matter what he did, the rock section stayed embedded with the rest of the floor. Eventually, he gave up trying. He tried tearing apart the vines, thinking that maybe he had touched them and they were the thing responsible for his death. But every time he grabbed a hold of the vines, he could not tear them apart. It's as if they are actually made of pure metal. He sat there. Hey, oh fuck! Why did you have to do that? I thought you were one of those evaporator-type traps. Growl started wailing on the fox as he started chittering in laughter from the blows. It was a good joke. Growl glowered at the smiling marshal before punching him once more on the shoulder. Good joke, my crusty ass. Now move over and show me what's going on. Marshal chuckled at the comment and obliged the cross orc. Stepping aside from the vine-covered area before gesturing to the slight indentation that he had found. Just uh, press the button. Growl looked at it, surprised to find no ruins present on the button in question, and seeing how Marshall had managed to be fun afterwards, he saw no reservation to pressing it. However, once he did, he found himself automatically standing up face to face with the weirdest sculpture that he'd ever seen. It was a door, if it could be called that. Metal vines seemed to pulse all along the edges before rooting within the ground itself or even the doll's hinges. Its size dwarfed the orc almost twofold, which surprised Growl, for he belonged to one of the more taller races out there, even if he couldn't exactly claim to be the tallest amongst them. It was inlaid with a number of runes, some decorative, some not, with some being an incomprehensible mess, and while the door was made of metal, the only parts that weren't were the door handles themselves. The other surprising fact around the door was that there was also skeletons within the room made entirely of metal, whose effects had been haphazardly laying upon them. So, um, that's kind of ominous. Grell's comments served well to organize his thoughts. The skeletons had been locked in the process of opening the door, all of them touching some metal aspect. No crap. Marshall's statement seemed to pull away the attention that the door was given slightly, as Grell had turned his head towards Marshall... Well, uh, is that what we're here for? Yeah. Apparently the guy hid himself in there. Marshall nodded affirmation, only seemed to dishearten the orc. He had only thought that it was going to be a simple arrest. Now, they were going to be dungeon crawling. It's a dungeon. The words were almost spoken with venom as the past orc's lips. Yep. Do you really think that we can handle the dungeon right now? Grell's question did have some weight to it. Most dungeons that did not have the training aspect manually put into it were dangerous because they were allowed to actually kill anyone who came in. In his mind, this dungeon might not have a personal reservations against doing so, if it was old enough. It's only got around four to five floors. Well, uh, which is it? Four or five? Grell's further investigation in the scenario were actually quite important, considering that once the dungeon hit the fifth floor, 
they had to option to incorporate a deathly challenge that was almost impossible to complete if one wasn't prepared. Four. Growl seemed to stare into Marshall's eyes for any treachery, and finding none, he resolved himself. Ah, all right. Let's get on with it. No only touched the wood, but yeah. Marshall nodded in affirmation. To him, it was also reasonable assumption not to do so. With that final agreement, they both strode towards the door, being careful not to touch any of the metallic portions of it. They grabbed hold of the door handles and pulled. However, once they had done so, they managed not to find themselves staring at the entrance of the dungeon, but for some reason, already in it. This wasn't at all surprising. Some dungeons were able to teleport people onto their floors directly from an artifact or their gates. The surprising thing that occurred, though, was that when they turned around, there was no exit. Usually, any dungeon would let their intruders exit any time that they wanted, sometimes by a teleportation circle or perhaps physical elements like stairs or doors. This one had nothing. Just a vague darkness behind and a vague darkness ahead. What is the- Oh! What the hell did you bring me to, Marshall? Growl's cries of pain pulled Marshall out of his investigation trance towards Growl's vague warm. If Marshall was any other race, he would not have been able to see what was happening at all. Growl, much like the statues outside, was slowly becoming metal. It started around his feet, and the floor was slowly eating his flesh. Panicked, Marshall also looked down, only to find that he wasn't affected by it whatsoever. His feet might have been covered in the same metal, but beyond a certain point, it no longer climbed. However, his short-lived relief was almost cut apart as he realized his hand had shrunk. He figured that some of the metal in it had gone down to stop whatever was going on, and succeeded without any input on his part. With that new information, Marshall looked towards Grell and concocted a plan. No, ouch, crap, don't think he'd coat this place here. Marshall began manifesting his magic only way he knew how, and instantly, with the manner joicing up his metal pseudo-veins, he had stopped spreading. In fact, it was being eaten alive by his own supply. It only took about four seconds before there was a veritable circle around both of them, devoid of any metal, giving way to rock that held beneath. Growl breathed a sigh of relief as he sat down on the now safe terrain. Looking at his feet, he realized that the skin was entirely peeled off and the muscle had started to degrade. It explained quite nicely why he actually couldn't feel any pain whatsoever. He reached into his pack and pulled out a potion to douse his feet in, letting them slowly regain what was lost before turning towards Marshall. Huh, that was quite strange. Marshall snorted in the almost demure comment from the orc and laid down next to Growl, no longer focusing on maintaining their circle. His metal had already gotten enough mana from the surrounding trapped surface to maintain the area from further incursion. You're telling me, I have a hand of the entire stuff. With that, Marshall brought up his said hand and produced a standard nightlight, bathing the entire area in a dull blue glow. Instantly, he could see the surroundings in a much higher clarity than before. Bulgrail could actually see the damage upon his feet being repaired. It also led to the two noticing that the walls were crawling with the trap. In Grail's mind, this was a metal dungeon and thus had to make metal things, if the motif was anything to go by. 
It also occurred to both of them that it couldn't have been any monster that was around them, as metallic ants weren't remarkably bigger than their standard counterparts. Plus, it looked remarkably like that contraption was able to control way back before it was ashes. So, it being a trap from the person that they were hunting was more plausible in their eyes. As they relaxed, they noticed that their surroundings had started to change. No longer was it just a cave being covered with metallic surface, but it was now growing crystals, almost ruby-like, with their glow. And the corridors behind and ahead of them were slowly coming into being, almost like the dungeon itself was breathing with a howl they convulsed. And then, as sudden as it started, it stopped. Both looked at each other, and before they could bring up the just occurred, as it was seldom seen for a dungeon to actually gain flaws while one was within it, they began to hear the grating of metal upon metal, almost like blades being sharpened against each other. Well, um, looks like we're not alone anymore. Marshall's statement was met with a glum nod. As their adversaries finally came into the light, the monsters, what else could they have been, were entirely made of metal. Their forms almost seemed to scream that they were living weapons made for slaughter, and this light glowing of the red crystalline edges along their blades almost gave the appearance that they had freshly come from the recent slaughter. Neither of the two were well versed in dealing with monsters. In the city, it was seldom seen for them to appear, and if they did, they were mostly harmless due to the consumption of little emotions, like annoyance or disgust. However, they had both been versed in possible monsters that they would have to defend against. If the VOG were to be conscripted towards fighting a wave, this thing was not in it, and it was not in any of the monster manuals that they could have read before. So, with grim resolve, Growl stood up on his still-heeding feet, pulled the blade from his sheath and lay upon the back, and spoke towards Marshall, with the words more of his own benefit than Marshall's. Best get to it then, yeah? End of chapter. Chapter 64 The first blow was immense and ultimately the fastest thing that Marshall had ever bore witness to, which caused him to briefly ponder on the nature of the monsters. One would think that a being made of metal would somehow hinder their mobility. All that weight has to go somewhere. However, the type of metal actually makes a huge difference, as different densities let different speeds come to play. It also did not help that the metal that they were made of was swift steel, judging by the very air around them being pushed away merely by their presence. Ral, thankfully, had put some of his points into wisdom. Without them, he might not have been able to see or even react towards the oncoming onslaught. The first one to attack used the swing of its sword arm, while its others seemed to just try and penetrate Grell's head. Grell managed to parry the first by swinging his sword to block. However, the one aimed at his head wasn't something he could react to. However, that didn't mean he cared. The thing's sword arm almost bent 90 degrees as it tried to pierce his hard-headed orc. One could tell that it was fairly surprised through the sudden stop of its entire form. That was when Growl counted. He infused his sword with intent and began his fighting style, making sure to hit all the key marks that sounded off in his head. Sure, he could have avoided hitting said marks, but the benefits of a fighting style against someone who had none were almost unending. 
rather than the games that the two holders of fighting styles would have to take, where one pushed back while the other simply blocked and waited for an opening. Those who simply didn't understand what was going on were, simply put, screwed beyond belief. Grell's heavy hard-hitting strike knocked back the sharpened steel, causing the thing to be pushed almost five meters away due to the sheer force of the blow. This had the side effect of causing it to actually touch the ring that surrounded the duo, where, before it had simply stepped over it to reach them, the very instant the foot touched the circle, it began to scream. Or at least, try. The piercing noise almost caused Grell to black out standing, while Marshall simply folded his ears over, another slight benefit to his race. The thing's body began to decompose itself, its legs no longer able to keep it standing. It simply fell over, being eaten alive by the circle. The rest of the monsters simply watched on, silent to their comrade's demise. And then, when the last bit of the pointy triangular head disappeared, the circle once more grew again until it finally touched the walls. Now, if the golems wanted to pass, they would no longer do so at safety. Now, they had to cross their equivalent of dead man's land. They stayed still, staring at both of them before one raised an arm. This one was different amongst its peers. While it did have the same angular body type, where its legs and arms were simply blades unto themselves, but the head and body being a pyramid nature, this one did not have the red motif of everything else. This one was blue. One almost sapphire-like quality towards the extremities, and when it swung down, it was readily apparent as to why it was different. This one knew magic. Water seemed to coalesce at the tip of its arm, and only when the water seemed to coat the entirety of it did it lunge forward with the rest of its counterparts. In total, there were five of the things converging on their location. Grell could have handled one by himself, but not one with magic. The blue one simply pressed onwards into Grell's guard, swinging himself in smooth strokes, reminiscent of the very water it could create. And when the sword met water, the blade itself chipped in his hands. Grell definitely could not last long under the pressure. However, the monsters weren't just fighting Grell. In the meantime, Marshall had kept on pushing himself against the four body-oriented that converged on him and him alone, and they knew that he was the one controlling the circle. Without it, they would assuredly succumb to the dungeon. However, what they didn't account for was the apparent magic user was the fact that while he had no weapon on hand, his claws were well honed. Swift kicks and swipes seemed to fill the air as Marshall used all of his acrobatics and dexterity simply to be too lithe for the others to land a direct hit upon him. Sure, there were nicks here and there, where the metal began to eat away at his skin and the blood which had started pouring out. But simply pushing his manner to cover the portions of his body was enough to convert that metal towards his use. He wasn't really sure of the metal inside of his body at that point would be calmed in the same usage, but he figured since his body had natural mana channels anyway, the metal would at some point be pacified. However, beyond that slight advantage where he slowly grew a bit weak before the metal replaced all that he'd lost, it had mostly come towards the stalemate in terms of him fighting others four to one. They could not hit him, while well, he couldn't either. Then he formed an idea. 
Soap Steel's characteristics involved infusing local mana to produce a type of void around them. If he could simply push away the surrounding mana in the area, both he and Grell would have a significant advantage. But the golems and natural speed cut short, they would simply be limited towards movements that a person made of metal would be limited towards. So, with an idea in action, he began to pull in mana towards his hand. Some might be wondering what the point of that actually is. Marshall is a wizard after all, given the fact that he can control mana. But that is not the case. Marshall found out a while ago that while he could control magic, he could not touch upon the natural wellspring that is mind. No, he was no wizard, but a sorcerer. Marshall swept his arm in a downward strike, both collecting mana through that portion of the air and actually hitting one of the golem's arm joints before it could pull the extremity back for another attack. Once he touched it, it was like the metal had become dead weight, simply falling off with a chunk. That was the tipping point of the battle. The golems did not yet know about their lack of speed. While they typically had a somewhat okay intelligence score, their wisdom was simply below optimal for anything other than somewhat simple plans. They had yet to reach the true state of Hypatia, and they would never likely be able to, simply because they had been formed within a dungeon. So they continued fighting like nothing was wrong, doing quick stabs through the air or long lunging motions to skewer the fox in twain. However, they no longer held their previous speeds and had slowed down considerably. With attacks towards the heads and the remaining bodies of the golems, because they simply would not stop moving unless the core had been removed, Marshall finished off the remainder of the force. He was somewhat saddened to see that the fight only improved his skills somewhat, while the golems themselves gave no experience towards another potential level. However, he was brought from his inner thoughts when he noticed that Grell had been punched through and flung off towards the edge of the circle. Grell's blade was no longer a sword, but merely something more suitable towards a metal club. Its length had shortened considerably, and the edges of one's head had been rounded down to a curve. Beyond bludgeoning, the weapon could no longer sever the joints between the golem's limbs. It was utterly worthless, and if Grau was still able to continue to fight, he would likely simply have thrown it away to rely on simple brawling. However, there was no longer an option for him. His fingers, along with his blade, had been cut down to size. The little digits had fallen to the floor, bouncing upon the rock surface before simply laying still, some blood leaking out the side of them. That was the moment Marshall looked at his fallen companion towards the last remaining golem. He thought his plan foolproof, but he had forgotten one simple fact. This golem could do magic, so he could suffuse its body with it, even if the material itself got it from the surrounding area. Indeed, where before the steel had a somewhat darkened glint towards it, the telltale sign of the chroma seemed to infuse the very metal, becoming an almost ocean blue hue. Within the confines of the cave, it literally gave out a blue glow, drowning out the subtle hints of red from the various crystals being grown from the walls and ceiling. This was the final opponent, a swift golem with water magic. Marshall screamed as he charged directly towards it, while the golem simply stood there looking at the downed opponent. It wasn't until Marshall had gotten into its line of sight that it reacted, 
performing another arc of water which swept out towards Marshall at blinding speed. Marshall might have been afraid, since he had seen those eight fingers that had littered the cave, but he had one saving grace, and that was his metal hand. He swung his hand in a bare-knuckle punch to the right of the wave of the water, redirecting it towards the walls. Again and again the golem kept lashing out at water arcs, and its speed of doing so only seemed to increase faster and faster. Marshall was not dexterity-focused classed, he mainly focused on charisma, so he could not survive all the strikes being made towards him. That was when one of the strikes that he had thought he dodged had hit his tail, severing half of it off. He howled in pain as he continued barreling towards the still stationary golem, and it was only when he had gotten just a meter away from it that it started striking with its arms. Marshall dodged as best he could, but he wasn't a pure fighter. Serious gaping wounds formed quickly only to be replaced by as time went on. He was slowly losing steam, and as a blade had swung down towards his head, he saw only one shot at success. One shot at coming out alive. So, hoping beyond all hope that his reaction time would save him, he brought his hand up and clenched. Beyond all sense, beyond all reason behind it, Marshall managed the impossible. He caught the blade. However, even as his hand was taking over the arm, it was a slow process. Plus, even if the golem was screaming in his ears, causing unending amounts of blood to pour out of his ears and mouth, it still had another arm. So Marshall let go, content that he had done enough before rushing outwards, getting out of the range of the water-enhanced blade. He continued to dodge the oncoming waves, his metal continued to eat into the golem. After a while, it had simply stopped attacking him, rather focusing on clawing out the infection. His sword arm transformed into a claw hand, scratching and gouging at the metal of his body. The shrieks of both the golem and the metal filled the air as it simply dissipated away along the ground, only having itself be furthered towards the circle of safety. Marshall collapsed, his energy spent. He looked towards Grell. He was still staring at his hand, surprise glued towards his face. Sighing, Marshall stood up and gathered up the fingers before handing them to Grell and focusing. His metal fist, having gorged itself upon its attackers, lost some of its heft and weight as the metal seeped down along his hand before finding itself upon Grell, fusing the fingers and hands back together. You okay? The combined weight of Marshall's words and the sensation of his wounds stitching themselves back together caused him to be pulled out of his dangerous thoughts. Looking up, he found the panting fox lying upon the floor, keen to rest after a hectic action that they had found themselves a part of. Yeah, thanks. Growl's words caused Marshall to chuckle as he relished within the silence. With the absence of golems, there was no longer any sound to reverberate along the walls of the crystal cavern, and only the slight twinkling of their shine seemed to resound through the air. For a moment, Marshall could believe that he had simply fallen back to sleep, until he sighed once more. No matter how much he closed his eyes, his still beating heart still reminded him of the fight that had taken place. He looked towards Grell before staring back at the ceiling. No problem, just, um... Don't ask me to do anything else for a while, uh, My stamina is crap. Growl laughed at his friend's blatant explanation, the tension of the battle slowly leaving his shoulders. Both of them 
were content to sit in the silence of the cavern, only being broken by an almost silent scraping noise of the eternal battle of the safety circle. However, their peace and silence had surrounded them, little conversation had suddenly ended, as the creaking sound and the heavy booming of footsteps resounded through the corridor behind them. Marshall stood up, along with Grell, both unwilling to fight, but ready to face the oncoming. Grell brandished his metal club, keen on keeping himself and Marshall safe for a little while longer. However, what they saw was no monster or golem keen on eviscerating them or consuming their souls or flesh, causing them no amount of confusion. It was only the creaking of a wooden cart and walking of an unfettered bide. End of chapter.